If your Bibles turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Following the morning service is our annual um, business meeting. And right, so we'll, dis- we'll have the service, we'll dismiss for a few minutes, and then we'll come back in here. Um, and the first thing we're going to do is our, is our business meeting, is we're going to get around Jean Weinball up here, and we're going to spend some time praying for her. She was diagnosed with cancer a few weeks ago, and so that's how we're going to start our business meeting. So I want to encourage you to stay um, and be a part of that and be with us as we lift her up in prayer, and then as we go through um, the business meeting following the service. But Ephesians chapter 6, we've been looking at the armor of God the last few um, Weeks, and I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 15 for today. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. All week since Thursday night, the NFL draft has been taking place. And I, I don't care if you are, you might not be a football fan, uh, but no matter how you feel about sports or about, no matter how you feel about the amount of money they get played for playing sports, um, Sandwich had one of their guys, Garrett Gilkey, get dr- got drafted over the weekend for the Cleveland Browns. And no matter how you feel about all of that, the process to be chosen and to be picked is unbelievable, the process that they go through, the screening and the questions and the preparation, the time and the effort and the training. It's, an amount, uh, it's a tremendous amount of effort, and it's a very long process of training. And then finally, being chosen. And in Christianity, the Bible says that Jesus did that part for us. He went through all the difficult part of the training. He came and lived on this earth the life we could not live, and he died the death we could not die, and then he called us. He chose us. If you are here this morning and you love Jesus, it's not because you're better or smarter or wiser than your neighbor. It's because Jesus did all the hard work work for you, and he called you and chose you onto his team. And if you ever played sports and you're in the team, no matter what it is, if you have to get equipment, that's a good day. Because you walk into the room, it's the beginning of the season, and you go get your uniform and all the stuff. You walk into the equipment room, and it's cool, isn't it? You remember that in high school? You know, you get the, the new jersey, you pick out your number, it felt really good. Everybody was even for the most part. You had the jersey, you had the equipment, you were on the team. That's what happened to us as believers. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're on the team. Jesus did all the work. We go to the equipment room when it comes to the armor of God to put it on and to be able to, be, to participate in the team. A few weeks ago, I said the gospel is equal to the armor of God. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. This is what we want to see today. The armor of God is presently available, but it's purposefully activated. How is that? possible. 
The armor of God is not extra. There's all kinds of stuff about the armor of God, and there is spiritual warfare, but it's not extra. It's not that you became a believer. You accepted Jesus Christ. You believed the gospel. You came into the Christian life, and now you have to go get this extra thing to help you succeed in the Christian life. The armor of God is not extra. It's a way of describing what the gospel is. It's exercising what you already have. It's living in the benefits and privileges of the power of the gospel. It's knowing how to be who you are in Christ. So don't separate Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18 from the rest of Scripture and especially from the book of Ephesians. Because this is the climax of everything Paul's been saying. This is who you are in Christ, all through Ephesians. And now, because you are in Christ, you have entered the equipment room, and I'm giving you this. Now, spend your time learning how to use it. Spend your time understanding the benefits, the privilege, and the power of the gospel as you go against your battle in life. Be who you are in Christ. That's why Paul says, stand. Stand, therefore. Now he says it's a command. He has called the people to stand. The armor of God is presently Available. Somebody asked me this week, can you put the armor on for someone else? And you can't. You can pray for someone else, but the armor of God has to be put on. Paul says, put on the armor of God. It's for each individual Christian to do. But in a real sense, yes and no. In a real sense, you can pray for them, but you really can't do it for them. But as a community of faith, you can pray That somebody's eyes would be open to see the power and the purpose and the perseverance that it's going to take to have the armor of God. We're thinking about Pastor Saeed. We've been praying for him. He's in Iranian prison. Can we sit here and put the armor of God on for him? We can't do it. He has to do that for himself in prison. But what we can do is we can pray that God would open up his eyes, that he would see that there's great power that he can persevere. So you can't put it on for somebody, but you can pray it for them. What we need to do, and what you need to do every morning, is you need to go, or sometimes throughout the day, every minute maybe, is we need to go into the equipment room spiritually and put on the armor. So that's why Paul says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Stand. It's an imperative. You have to do this. It is a, to to understand fully how to succeed in the Christian life, to make it in life, you have to put on the armor of God. It's understanding the gospel. If you don't do it, you're devastated because you have Satan and all the hosts of his army against you, fiery darts flying constantly at you. If you don't armor yourself, you don't understand who you are in Christ, you don't put the, God, the armor of God on and grow in your understanding of the gospel, you're going to be devastated. And maybe some of you are devastated this morning. So how do we put on this armor? So we're going to look at two pieces of it today, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Paul says... Stand, having fastened on the belt of truth. In the King James, it says in 1 Peter 1.13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, or put on the belt. If you're going out to war, 
This is not really the belt. It's not something you would just, you don't whip your belt off and smart, start smacking people with it. You know, it's, that's not, it's not an offensive weapon. So why does Paul start with this belt of truth? Back then, when soldiers would wear their, uni- their, their garments to stand, to be, prepare yourself, to prepare yourself for battle, they would tuck everything in to their belts. So they would just tuck stuff in and they'd get ready to go. You've done this before. If you're out at the beach and you weren't ready to be out at the beach and you want to go to the water, you want to stand, you want to go out to do it, you tuck everything in, you get ready to go, and you go. That's what they would do. Paul says, prepare yourself with the belt of truth. The belt of truth really is actually connected to what we talked about last week. It is foundational. The belt of truth is foundational to the armor. It ties everything together. Paul said last week he wanted us to stand. He wanted us to surrender. Then he wanted us to stake it in the ground. And when you put on the belt of truth, that's staking it in. You're ready to go. You're going to stand. Paul says the first thing he tells us to do is put on the belt of truth. And this is for you and for me. It's a question of faith because the issue of truth is essential. Because if you really want to know if you're a believer, if you really want to sometimes, am I really a follower of Jesus? If you're really a follower of Jesus, you're going to want to know the truth. You're going to want to know this. You're going to want to know and you're going to believe what God says about him is true. And you're going to want to say, this is what I want. I'm going to stake my life on this. But it's a struggle to do this. This is why for young people sometimes, it's such a struggle if you're when you're trying to figure out faith and trying to figure out what is God like. Because there's three ways that people look at God. There's the way they would say, yes, God is God. He's the truth. He's the sovereign creator of the universe. So there's God. Then there's the approach that it's a, it's a goose egg. You know, there is no God. It's just total chaos. I look around the world, and there's, it's just a mess. I'm just, I was born, and I'm on this big planet that's a big, massive goose egg, and it's just now up to me to work my way, to figure it out, to do it all on my own. And there's a third approach that I think sometimes people who've been in church often would struggle with. Young people struggle with this. Adults struggle with this. Is they see God as the, there's a God as the creator, owner, and sovereign of the universe. Then there's the approach that there's no God, the world's just a big goose egg, and I'm stuck on it. Now I just got to battle for the rest of my life. Then there's also a way that says God's just a genie. And so I'm going to choose God to manipulate him in the midst of this chaos. And I'll use God as a genie. So when things go bad, I'll run to God and I'll rub, rub, rub the, the bottle and I'll hope that he gives me my wishes. And if he does, good. God's good and things are good. If he doesn't, well, it's a goose egg again. And so young people go back and forth constantly, and sometimes adults do, about where is God in all this mess? Is there really a God who's sovereign and in control over the universe? Or is it really a goose egg like it looks like so much? Or is God just there as my genie, and when I want him, I can get him? And Paul says, you need to put on the belt of truth if you're going to stand and see who God is, that God is a creator, owner, of the universe. But this is also an action for us. It's about being honest. It's, it's a sense of honesty in your choice and in your faith. 
and being active in the truth. Friday, I'm trying to start to train for the marathon, which I've been trying to start to train for the marathon for three months now. So finally, uh, Brian Luca, who is in great shape, he runs around at Silver Springs all the time. He said, Paul, you should come run with me. Come run with me. So I said, sure. So Friday, after, Friday morning, I went over there to run with him at Silver Springs. And he's got this massive gauntlet that he runs. And so I'm out there running with him. I'm like, oh, let's do the, let's do the medium, medium range one. I can take it. So the whole time we're running. I said, I'll just run behind you. I am sucking air um, within the first half mile. How you doing, Paul? Good. I'm doing good. <laughs> I got this. And we'd keep doing these turns and we'd be running and we're talking. And he says he was out there this summer uh, he was out during the winter running, Brian said, and he ran, he's out in these paths, and he wiped out, and he gets back up, and he goes, you know the first thing I did, don't you? I said, he, he looked around to see if anybody else saw him, see if anybody else watched him fall, because if nobody did, then he didn't have to tell anybody. He could keep a secret, so I'm like, oh, that's a great story. So we're running further, and I'm behind him, all of a sudden I hit a, I hit a stump, and I just went, ah, and I rolled, and thankfully I was behind him. And we're all, it's good, it's good, he didn't see me. You okay, Paul? I'm fine. The truth is, I wasn't fine. He was killing me out there. And putting on the belt of truth is an acknowledgement for us as Christians. We have to be honest with ourselves and honest with God and honest in our search. And there's often, many times, even as Christians, even as believers, we're not fully honest, aren't we? Your life's a mess. Things are terrible. How you doing today? I'm doing good. God is good. Then you get home. It's not being honest. It's not putting on the belt of truth. There's an ethic to what Paul is saying with this belt of truth. So there's a sense that to put on the armor of God is to be able to put on the belt of truth. Say, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to believe, and I'm going to be honest in my belief. Even in my struggle, I'll be honest. I'm not going to, to, like not, I'm going to acknowledge who God is. He's the creator, sovereign of the universe. But when I am hurting and when I'm suffering, I will acknowledge that. And I'll also not just acknowledge that God can't help me. I'll say, I'm hurting and I'm struggling, but I believe God can help me, and I need help to believe God can help me. The book of Ephesians was not written just to individuals, it's corporate. And that's why for parents it's important to have our children in church to gather together with other people so they can see other people in their struggle with life. That's why it's a community of faith for us. So you need to show up at church. You don't know who needs you today to be here. You might be the one person that they needed to hear from more than anybody else. And you can be for them the help they need as they are trying to put on the belt of truth. It is girding yourself. It's saying, yes, I believe. But I don't just believe in this la-la, mystical, blue land where everything's nice and perfect. I believe in the midst of a real world where it's hard and it's difficult. But I believe God is sovereign. And sometimes I suffer in this difficult world. But I believe. I'm going to take that truth and I'm going to gird myself with it. And when I need help, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you I need help. And I want you to help me buckle up. You know who did this well in the Old Testament? In Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, 
and Abednego. There's these three young guys. The king put out his armor, or he put out his big statue, and he said, everybody has to bow down to worship them. And they said, you know what? No way. We are going to stand on the belt of truth that we will worship the one true God. And we are not, we're going to surrender ourselves completely to God, no matter what it costs us. And we're going to stake it in the ground, no matter what. That's what they did. Daniel 3 says, the trumpets blew, things were going the way they were supposed to go. They did not bow down. And then Nebuchadnezzar, he gets furious with rage. And if you surrender to God's plan, that he's the sovereign creator, if you stake that in the ground and say, I'm going to hold on to this truth, Satan is in a rage. That's why he's throwing fiery darts at you. And Nebuchadnezzar was in a fiery rage, and he commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought next to them. So it says, they, so they brought these men before the kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? And then he goes and says a very interesting thing to these guys. He says, Now if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. He must have liked these guys because he was kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt. He brings them up. He says, hey, is it true you guys, he's ticked off. Is it true you're not bowing down to this guy? And instead of just saying, hey, when you hear the music, bow down. He says, no, when you hear the bagpipe, just in case you missed it, uh, we're going to play some bagpipes, some lyres, some all kinds of music's going to go around. So when you hear all kinds of stuff, listen, I want you to bow down. When you hear all this, if you bow down a second time, it's, we're all going to count it good. And this is what they said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That is putting on the belt of truth. That's saying, I'm going to stand with God. I believe that God is the sovereign creator of the universe. I'm going to surrender to whatever his plan for my life is. If it's peace, I'll take it. If it's fire and trouble, I'll take it. But either way, I'm going to put the belt on with truth, and I'm going to stake it in the ground. That's putting on the belt of truth and taking that into the reality of your life situation. That's what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was the reality of their life. All they had to do was simply bow and it was over. They could have kept on living. But they said, no, we have the armor of God. We know who we are. And we can't just do that. So we're going to believe We're going to surrender to God's will for our lives, and we're staking it in the ground. No matter what God does to us, we believe the truth that he is the sovereign creator and owner of the universe, who's a big, bold God who loves us and will do all things 
for our good, even if we don't understand what it is. So how do you put on the belt of truth? How do you do that? Paul uses the military because it's the best description of being under orders. You have to do what the military says for you to do. If you don't like your job and your boss tells you to do something, you don't really have to do what your boss tells you to do. You can decide not to do it. You'll be fired. You might have another job someplace, but you, you don't have to necessarily do it. It's that he doesn't, he, but in the military, it seems very different. You, you've got to do what the commander tells you to do. That's why I think he uses the military aspect of this. But how do you put this belt on as Christians under orders? And the way for us to obey is to over... Obedience is the way for us to overcome the struggles that we're going through. The way you have to do it, Paul says, further on in there in Ephesians 6, is you have to very simply believe the Bible. You have to believe the Bible when it comes to what it says about God and salvation and that truth. You have to believe that. Some people will say, well, I don't really believe the Bible. And I said, really, have you read all the Bible? Well, no, I just don't like the Bible. I don't believe it all. You will fall. You will be devastated if you don't believe the Bible. That's the belt of truth. It's everything that God has to say for us that he wants us to know. You have to believe the Bible. Stake your life on the Bible, even the parts you don't understand. That's putting on the belt of truth and asking God, help me understand this. Help me spend time thinking about this and think about what the Bible has to say. We have to understand what the Bible has to say about salvation and especially, I think for our church right now, for many people, what does the Bible have to say about suffering? God is not a genie in the bottle that we just rub and get what we want. God is the creator, owner, and sustainer of the world. And we have Satan against us, and he's trying to destroy us, and we will suffer, the Bible says. And are you going to put on the belt of truth and say, this suffering isn't necessarily because I did anything wrong or because God's against me? This suffering is from a good God who loves me, and through this suffering he's giving me, there's a reason this is going to be for my good and for his glory. I'm going to strap that belt of truth on. I'm going to stake it in the ground and believe that. So one way you put the belt of truth on is by believing the Bible and reading it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And the other way you do it is allowing your life to be shaped by the Bible. You ever go to Brookfield Zoo where they have the mold machines and they got the wax stuff? Wax is cool, even when it's hot. It's a, it's a messy mess, but it's still cool. But when you go there as a little kid, and when we go, our boys are like, I want this one. Then we walk 50 feet. I want this one. So we have to run back to this one to try to find the exact mold. And then you put your money in, and you watch the mold come out, and it compresses into a gorilla. And it comes out hot and cool. It's shaped like you want it. That's what we have to do with Scripture. To putting on the belt of truth is to believe the Bible. And not just believe it in your head, but allow your life to be shaped by the Bible. Someone said, the way you do this is you study the Bible and you let the Bible study you. When was the last time the Bible drove you to a real change in your life? You changed direction 
Or you changed jobs, or you changed the situation in your family, not because of economics, not because of anything, but you were just reading the Bible, and you were reading the Bible, and the Bible, you said, that's, that's how I'm supposed to be? And you, I'm going to change. When's the last time as a Christian, you read the scriptures, and it affected you so much that it just shaped you like mold, and you came out the way the Bible said you're supposed to come out? Have you lived your life that way? That's being shaped by scripture that's putting on the belt of truth that's surrendering to god that's staking your claim on that and say i'm going to hold on to the belt of truth believe the bible and allow the bible to shape your life there's a lot of christians who just read the bible they read it they do their devotions and they go on the rest of the day they get up they read it they go on they get something on their phone now well that's good i read my bible man i am so good but their lives don't look any different. They haven't looked different for years. There hasn't been a spiritual change in your life in six months. That's not armoring yourself. That's not putting on the belt of truth. The Bible is supposed to shape and mold our lives. When was the last time the Bible drove you to a real change in your life? Where you made a deliberate decision based off of Scripture alone where you recognized that's not the way you should be going, and you allowed the Bible to mold and shape you. That's putting on the belt of truth. That is essential. The belt of truth is essential. That's why Paul starts out with it. You've got to gird yourself. You gotta, before you can do anything else, you have to put on the belt of truth. It's essential and foundational, but you're not going to have any forward progress spiritually without the next thing. Ephesians 6, 15 14, stand firm, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth is foundational. It's saying, yes, I believe God is who he says he is. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to trust God and the difficulties of my life and the reality of my life. And I'm going to let my life be shaped by it. So I'm putting on the belt. That's foundational. But you will not move very far unless you have on the breastplate of righteousness. What is it? I mean, the breastplate, that's what they would put on. It would protect all your vital organs, your heart, your stomach. That's, that's what they would wear. No soldier would go anywhere in a real battle without putting on his breastplate. Why is this so important? What is righteousness? The Bible says righteousness is this. It's, being, it's something that's tested. It's approved. It has right standing. Satan wants to constantly attack us, doesn't he? He's constantly throwing accusations at you. You're not good enough. You're really not right. If you really love Jesus, you wouldn't act that way. You're an idiot. You're dumb. This is not from God. This is to make you go wrong. You're, You're wrong. Those are all accusations that Satan wants to constantly throw at you. And the heart is protected by the breastplate. The stomach is protected by the breastplate. And in the Bible, that's where the seat of the emotions were. Our heart is. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs says, out of the heart comes the issues of life. It has to be protected. You're not going to move forward. You need a righteousness that is tested, approved, and in right standing when the battle comes. Because Satan wants to attack you in those areas. You can see this because often we know what is true, don't we? But then our emotions rise up. And which ones do we usually go with? The truth 
Or do our emotions drive us to sometimes make choices? I mean, you can see this sometimes with dating couples. A person will know this guy's bad news or this girl's bad news. And they can have hundreds of people, literally. Listen, this is the truth about this guy. This and this and this. Or this is the truth about this girl. This and this and this. But their emotions are so caught up into it that even if they know the truth, their heart and their guts are so into it that they will forsake, forget the truth and they'll go with their emotions. That's why Paul says you have to have truth, but you have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You have to have this protection that's tested and approved and in right Satan standing because Satan wants to destroy you. He's throwing accusations at you constantly. He attacks your mind and your emotions. And he wants you to feel guilt. He wants you to feel shame. He wants you to feel doubt. He wants you to feel fear. He wants you to feel accusations. And we constantly battle with that. We don't like to talk about it, but you constantly battle that in our minds. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to throw these doubts at you. Is God really going to take care of you on this one? Really? Oh, see what you just did? Oh, you could never go back to be like you used to be. Oh, God will never love you now. You've done way too much. Oh, I can't believe you call yourself a Christian. Those are the thoughts that Satan loves to put in people's minds. And what we need is a breastplate of righteousness. But the problem is our righteousness won't make it. Because the reality is, if we look at ourselves, and when Satan comes with those accusations, we would have to say what? No, you're right. I did just do that. I can't... You're right. I did just talk like that. You're right. I did just feel like that. You're right. I did just act like that. I am guilty. I am not capable of doing what God asked me to do. It's too much. I always... I want to do the right thing, but then I choose to do the wrong thing. And that's why we have, Paul says, this breastplate of righteousness, which is the armor of God for us. It's what Jesus gave us. He says, listen, it's not your righteousness. The armor of God is Christ's righteousness. It's what Jesus did for you. It's presently available. We stand not in our own righteousness. We stand in Christ's Righteousness. So when Satan comes this week and says to you, really? You think you're going to survive this? You think that you can still love me and do that? You think that you can be connected and have true friends and true Christian friends and think like that? Those are all lies from Satan. You say, the truth is, Satan... Jesus died for me. He forgave me of my sins. And I am covered in his righteousness. So that protects my mind, my heart, and emotions. And so, yeah, I failed today. But it's not me who lives anymore. It's Christ who lives. He conquered it for me. So I'm going to move forward and forget about that accusation. It is available. You say, you know what? We have to be prepared for this. Paul says this. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You have to be prepared. It's preparation. It says stand with these two things. Be prepared. In the late 90s, there were two women who lived in Pennsylvania. And both of them were at church together. They were good friends together. They did Bible studies together. They did fellowships together. They served in the kitchen together. They were active in their church. 
And together at the same time, both of them started to go through horrific situations in their life. Their husbands wanted to divorce from them. Their lives just started to fall apart. One of the women who had been preparing, who had been putting on the armor of God, who had really been growing spiritually, who had been thinking about it, studying it. Whenever the pastor came and uh, the struggles she was going through, she, she said to him, as I go through these struggles, all I can say is the worse it gets, the closer Jesus gets to me. The more difficulties I go through, the more closer I get to Jesus. It was almost like if I keep going through these struggles, I'm just not sure what I'm going to do. I'm going to be so close to Jesus. The other woman, her very good friend, was in complete despair. And she was a woman who wasn't prepared. She was, the first woman was serious and said, yes, I will obey. I will put on the belt of truth. I will follow. I will live out the gospel in my life. The other woman, same church, good friends, she was more of a slacker. She said, I I want it, but I got this going on. I, I want it, but I don't got time for this. I, I want it, but. And her spiritual life outwardly looked great, but inwardly was non-existent. And two women, close friends, same church, same social circle, one of them in the midst of the exact same sufferings was saying, the worse it gets, the closer I get to Jesus. And the other woman was saying, I'm in despair and I'm drowning. The difference is one of them prepared beforehand and was ready for the battle. She had put her armor on regularly. You have to prepare now. You have to prepare now. How are you doing spiritually with the belt of truth? How are you doing with the breastplate of righteousness? Are you trying to still earn your favor with God? You think it's still up to you? Or have you resigned your fact that it's not me, it's Jesus who lives in me? I believe God. I'm suffering. I believe. I don't understand everything, but I believe I'm going to stake that to the truth. You have to prepare now. But you say, you know what? I'm going through a hard time now, Paul. That would have been great six months ago had you told me that. I'm going through a hard time now. The battle's raging now. There's fiery darts coming at me now. I don't know what I'm going to do. I would say this to you. Remember what the armor is. It's the armor of God. And if you're a believer, he says, take it up now. It would have been great if you had prepared a little earlier, but it's still the armor of God. And he says, take it up now because you have it. If you're a Christian, you have this. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the gospel. It's all true still for you now. And I would say, trust the giver. Truth is still truth. And God's righteousness is still his righteousness. So take it up now. Trust the giver. And then I would say to you, turn Again, the praise of God's grace. None of us deserve this. None of it deserve it. If you've been planning and struggling and putting on the armor of God for 10 years, and you're ready, you don't deserve it. And if you're in the midst of a great struggle right now, and you feel like you're just falling free fall, trying to grab for anything, you don't deserve it either. But the grace of God says it's available to both. So put it on. Turn again to the praise of God's grace. And let Psalm 23 be true for you. The armor of God is presently available, but it's purposefully activated. And you have to step into the equipment room every single 
day, every single morning, and say, I'm going to put this on. I'm going to put on the belt of truth. I'm going to believe in this. I'm going to protect myself, not with my righteousness, but with Jesus' righteousness. I'm going to follow. I'm going to put this equipment on. I'm going to live in the power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a second. Just ask yourself, is your life being molded by the belt of truth? Is the Bible molding and shaping your life? Or is it circumstances, finances, economics, our government that's dictating how you live life? Are you putting on the belt of truth and letting the Bible shape you? Are you overwhelmed because you're being attacked by accusations and fears? You're not trusting in the righteousness of Jesus? Confess that to God this morning. Ask Him to help and put on the belt, put on that righteousness, and live in the power of the gospel. Holy Father, Lord, just thank you for your word. Lord, just thanks for the fact that we have this gift of the armor of God, that we have the gospel, that we have, it's not us that will stand before you, it's what Jesus did for us, that we are covered in his blood, that we have this grace available to us in times of ease and in times of suffering. God, I pray you help us to be, stand solid on the truth. Help us to know that it is your righteousness, not our own, that we are depending on, and just give us the grace to persevere. And we know that it is in you alone that we have our hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You hear me when I call You are my morning song Though darkness fills the night it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield, though troubles linger still. Whom shall I
always by my side. 